A lot of people say they don't read the Bible because they don't understand it. And as a Christian, I feel like it's my duty to explain it to you. Welcome to the Ghetto Bible Tales. I'm your host, Jerrica. And here at the Ghetto Bible Tales, we retell Bible stories and discuss biblical themes in a comical yet understandable way. We're going to laugh, but we're going to learn too. So strap on your seatbelt, pop yourself some popcorn, and let's do this. story that I feel like is deeply misconstrued. If you didn't watch the last video, the three rules of context are language, history and culture, the Holy Spirit, and reading the Bible as a whole. Today we are going to discuss the man made the stupid vow about sacrificing his daughter or whatever. Turn your Bibles to the Judges 11 and let's get this thing started. Now, in order to understand this story, it is very important for you to read all the books that come before this one. I'm talking about Genesis up to Judge because you have to understand in context exactly why things are the way they are once we get to the book of Judges 11. Judges 11 is set in about 300 years after the book of Exodus. So all those people that, you know, crossed the Red Sea on foot, they did. All them people that wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, they did. So at this point, because of the death of that generation, that generation had failed to spiritually prepare the next generation. The children of Israel, they have no idea who God is. They have forgot God. So that is a very important thing to think about when you're reading. At this time, Israel does not have a king. They are ruled by what are called judges. A judge, most of the time, is a, a military person, like a, a general or something. And that person usually, you know, delegates and makes decisions for everybody. So at the beginning of Judges 11, we meet a man named Jeff Taff. Jeff Taff. His name is at the bottom of the screen. If you can pronounce that, good for you. But since I know I'm I'm gonna have to repeat this man's name about 20 times in this video or, or more, I'm gonna call him Jeff, okay? Jeff is his name for me. But his biblical name is the name that's at the bottom of the screen. That's that's his biblical name. But his nickname by that I'm giving him, his his nickname gonna be Jeff because that. That right there is a mouthful and sis can't do it. So I, I sis ain't gonna do it. But the Lord knows who I'm talking about and y'all know who I'm talking about, okay? So, the book of Judges 11 starts with Jeff, who is from Gilead. His mother was a whore. And because his mama was a whore, his other siblings on his daddy's side, they pushed him out of the uh, the tribe and they told him he, he couldn't um, have any of their inheritance because he was a whore son. When Jeff was kicked out of the tribe or whatever he moved to another place and he started up a, a, a band of men I, I would say from reading the bible they kind of operated like a band of mercenaries i wouldn't necessarily say bandits i would say mercenaries you know it was kind of like a private security firm if you want to modernize what they were 
So that's what Jeff ended up doing. And through through that, you know, Jeff's uh, name grew. Everybody knew who he was because he could fight and he was good at it and he was winning battles. So that's how he pretty much became famous. The children of Israel, they're attacked by the nation of Ammon or Ammon, Ammon, by my screen. If you pronounce that, you, you the truth. So that nation right there, they attacked Israel. The elders of Israel, they approach Jeff. They ask Jeff, will he be their leader? Now, Jeff ain't no fool because Jeff said, I'm not finna just, you know, band with y'all after y'all and kicked me to the side and treated me like I was nothing because my mama was a prostitute. So no, I'm not finna join with y'all unless there's something in it for me. And so they told him that he gets to become the uh, judge of Israel. And he said the only way that he would agree to do it is, is, is if after he win the battle that he remains a judge. And the elders of Israel was like, cool, that's what you want, good. So before he immediately runs into battle, he sends a letter to the people of Ammon. And he asked them, you know, why are y'all attacking Israel? Why are we going to war? He was basically trying to, you know, solve the problem with diplomacy before actually uh, fighting. And I commend him for that because, you know, war ain't the answer all the time. Now, when the king of Ammon gets the letter, he replies by saying that Israel has illegally taken the, the land that belongs to Ammon and they want it back. Jeff responds by, he reiterated everything that had happened in the books prior to Judges 11. Uh, he, he told, and he basically, he boasted about God to Ammon. He was like, you know, the God of Israel is the reason we had this land. You know, he, he helped us in this war and we were awarded this land 300 years ago. That's the thing. This was, they, they was awarded this land 300 years ago. And now that the, the kingdom of Ammon want to come and try to take the land, talking about some, it's ours. It was yours, but you lost it in the war, homie. So it's not yours anymore. Which is pretty much all Jeff says to the king. And then Jeff was like, he threw he threw a jab in there. He was like, why don't you go pray to your God and tell him to give you the land back then? Which essentially meant, let's fight. So of course, they go into battle. Prior to battle, you know, the Holy Spirit comes upon Jeff. If you've ever felt the Holy Spirit before, you know that the Holy Spirit can feel, it feels amazing. It is this unexplainable high that I have you floating in the clouds. So at this point in the story, the Holy Spirit came up on Jeff and Jeff was high as a mother. He felt like he was walking on clouds. He felt like he could fly. And he said, if God will help me win this battle over the Ammonites, and whatever comes to the door to greet me when I get back, I will give to the Lord in a burnt sacrifice. There was the vow. Your stupid vow. Israel won the war. So Jeff goes home. And what greets Jeff at the door? His only child, his daughter. Jeff damn near passed out. The Bible say he ripped his clothes. What kind of clothes were they wearing back then? Because how? It's been like every time they get sad or mad, they rip their clothes. And nigga, how? Like what you what you got on that you can rip it that easy? Um, so <laughs> he ripped his clothes when he sees his daughter walk through the door. And he's like, oh Lord, now I gotta offer my daughter up as a sacrifice. Alright, y'all, this was a great debate. 
comes in, did he actually kill his daughter? No, he didn't kill her. It was completely forbidden. You are not supposed to sacrifice a human to God. Your boy Jeff was treating God as if he were one of the idol gods. There are a few idol gods that require human sacrifice. Out of Molech particularly, you have to kill your kid to worship him. The God of Israel does not require human sacrifice. Jeff was not the first human to make a dumb vow. God made provisions for stupidity. So Leviticus 27 is about redeeming a vow. Y'all ever heard the church song, I am redeemed, bought with a price? That's where they come from. In Leviticus, if you vow to give God your child and you wanted to go back on that, you gotta give your money to church. You have to go look in Leviticus, but there is a list of how much it costs depending on the age of the child the gender of the child etc so basically if you couldn't afford to redeem your child your child became of service to the church now at that time they couldn't be a priest because the priesthood was only you had to be a levite to be a part of the priesthood and as you know that's a bloodline thing so if you ain't a child of a, of a Levite or, you know, descend from a Levite, you cannot actually be a priest. So you had to be an assistant in the church or maybe a, a worker. Or you could be a prophet as well because, as y'all know, in the book of 1 Samuel, Hannah made a vow to give her child to God. And that, that child was Samuel. And Samuel was not a priest. Samuel was a prophet. He was given to God by his mom through a vow. She nursed him until he was like three and then she gave him to the church and he was raised by the church. God did not want no blood sacrifice of your kids, but he would accept their service. However, if you did not want your child to be serviced in the church, you could redeem your child for a price. And the reason that these prices were so high, because even if you go back and look in the numbers, the numbers look low to us, but it's in shekels, which is Hebrew money. And you have to realize these people weren't working nine to fives and getting no bi-weekly check. Some of that amounts to a, a month's worth of work or, or money for these people. And that was God trying to teach them Think before you speak. Just whole vow was purely stupid. Like, for instance, like what if his daughter didn't walk through the door? What if it was something else? Like a a roach, a bird flew through the door, your dog. These are all unclean animals. They cannot, by, by mosaic law, be considered a, a burnt offering. You cannot use those. So the whole thing was purely dumb. This goes back to all the books before this, he didn't know Belton. He didn't know any Belton. Yeah, he knew a little bit about, you know, Israel, Israel's history. But like I had said, they had all forgot God. They forgot the customs. They forgot the culture. They forgot all of it. Because if he had known of uh, the Mosaic law, he knew for a fact that he could not sacrifice his daughter. He knew for a fact he could not sacrifice any unclean animal that there are rules to this. But Jericho, though, how do you know that he didn't kill his daughter, though? Because they say he did. Context clues. You better use your brain and read. Uh, this how I know that he didn't kill her. Because he said, she said, okay, there, you know what I'm saying? I'll go to the church or whatever. But, um, can me and my friends go away for two months and can I mourn my virginity? What? I, I'm confused. <laughs> we we finna sit up here and mourn for, for, for two months about not having sex. I'm confused. Why shouldn't we be mourning about dying? I'm confused. What ends up happening is his daughter and her friends, they mourn her virginity. And after they mourn her virginity, she is serviced to the church. Because um, women that are serviced to the church, 
are not allowed to get married anymore or have children. And that's the story of the man who made the stupid foul, your boy Jill. But she is not dead. He do not kill her. He do not offer her up. She's She was alive and well for a time. Now, the Bible states that during the time that she was alive, her friends would always, you know, come by and they would mourn her virginity continually every year. Just crying about her virginity. I mean, sis, use your hand. All Ghetto Bible Tub episodes are posted on YouTube simultaneously in video format. Thanks for tuning in. You can follow the show on all social media at Ghetto Bible Tales. Head on over to GhettoBibleTales.com and you can sign up for the mailing list so that you can be notified of updates and other things. You can also request topics or stories that you'd like for me to discuss on the show. Once again, I'm your host Jerrica and this has been the Ghetto Bible Tales. New episodes are posted every Wednesday and every Sunday.